from Studio C136. This is One Hour School Live! All right, welcome into another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is Mr. Mertz. We have another full uh, podcast, sec- uh, student segments coming up. Uh, so be looking out for that. And um, I guess where we can start first this week is uh, since there's not a whole lot going on in uh, the college football world at this moment in time, uh, now that signing day is over, uh, let's talk about uh, pro football for just a moment and talk about the Super Bowl for a second. Uh, I know most of the NFL groups uh, and even some of the groups that don't cover NFL uh, have been talking about the Super Bowl this week in the pod. So uh, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of analysis. I just want to talk about what I feel will happen in the game and and maybe pick a winner. Um, I think watching Cincinnati play has been really fun uh, through in the the playoffs with that offense and Joe Burrow and, uh, you know, Joe Mixon and a former Oklahoma running back, by the way, and Samaj P. Ryan, another former Oklahoma running back. Uh, so um, it's been fun watching that offense um, with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. That It's been really explosive and very fun to watch. Um, and they've kind of been on a, uh, you know, it's almost like they're a team of destiny, beating um, Tennessee at home and then beating the Chiefs at home also. Both those games were on the road for Cincinnati. So uh, it does kind of feel like if they were to win Sunday, they would kind of be labeled, well, you know, like one of those teams that just kind of got hot at the right moment and and wins the Super Bowl. Um, on the other side, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a similar story, but not completely. Um, the Rams have been a good team now for a couple years and then adding um, their quarterback, who I – not Matt Stafford uh, this year and Odell Beckham has really kind of uh, taken them to a team that's really good to a team that's in the Super Bowl and uh, if they were to win uh, I I don't think they would have that a team of destiny got hot at the right time uh, type of uh, label but they've uh, they've been playing well too and to go down and beat Tampa to beat the you know beat Tom Brady from the best quarterback of all time at Tampa and then beat um, the 49ers who had beat them like six times in a row or something. Uh, They're definitely playing well. And uh, I I really like uh, the Rams defensive line versus uh, Cincinnati's offensive line. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive line has been giving up a lot of sacks throughout the playoffs. So, and they're about to face probably the best defensive line that they're played so far. So, I think that uh, the Rams will probably pull this one out. Um, and uh, there are some OU players on the Rams squad that uh, I would be excited for. Um, Obo Okorunkwo, a former linebacker for Oklahoma, is, uh, is a player on the Rams. So, uh, And I think maybe Cody Ford or Bobby Evans, one of the offensive linemen that used to play for OU, is on the Rams squad as well. So should be really interesting and fun to watch. I think it's really cool that it's not um, – you know, the Patriots or, you know, Tom Brady this year. It's, you know, even though it's awesome to see him, you know, go on the run that he had in his career, um, it is cool to see two different teams. And one thing that the NFL certainly has going for it more than any other of the professional leagues is the parity that that, that it has. And 
really cool thing that, you know, two teams that uh, I know Cincinnati wasn't in the playoffs last year. I can't remember if the Rams were in the playoffs or not, but uh, two teams that were not in it last year are now in it. And uh, it's just kind of cool for the NFL. So I'll be excited to watch that. Like I said, I don't really have anything at stake for either team, but I do think the Rams will win based on that defensive line with uh, Aaron Donald and, and the like. Okay, um, let's see. It's February 11th today, and as we uh, get closer to uh, the end of February, we are approaching uh, the Dynamos, Houston Dynamo FC season beginning. Uh, tomorrow is a preseason game at PNC Park versus uh, Austin FC. I will be there in person. Um, those games don't really matter too much. I'm just kind of excited to have something to do on a Saturday afternoon and uh, go back to the park again and wear my black and orange of the Dynamo. Um, I would like to do maybe a brief little season preview and kind of preview their schedule and where I think they'll be. I did this last season, where I think they'll be by, um, we'll say July 4th for now, and then I can maybe give a, another preview once some of the games get going. But just based on um, what the Dynamo was last year and the teams that they're playing, what they were last year. I'm going to try to uh, do a, pr uh, a projection of how many points I think they'll be at uh, by July 4th. So uh, February 27th, the Dynamo play at home versus Real Salt Lake. Um, I'm going to give the Dynamo a win on that one. Uh, Saturday, March 5th versus Kansas City at KC. That's a loss. Uh, March 12th at home versus Vancouver. I'm going to give a three points on that one with the win. Uh, Dynamo at home versus the Rapids on March 19th. I don't know if they're going to beat Real Salt Lake and the Rapids, so I'm going to say that's a draw and give them one point for that one. Uh, at home, no, at Inter-Miami on April 2nd. Boy, Inter-Miami is not very good, but... Uh, Dynamo didn't win a road game last year, so I'll just hope for a draw on that one. Uh, let's see, April 9th, Dynamo play home against the Quakes. I think I can give them three points on that one. The 16th of April, they are home versus the Timbers. Really, uh, I'm hoping for a draw. I'm going to be nice and hope for a draw on that one. Uh, at FC Dallas on the 23rd. I don't think the Dynamo have won at FC Dallas in like seven or eight years. So we'll just say that's a loss. Uh, hoping for a draw on that one, but I'll call that one a loss. Uh, home versus Austin FC on the 30th. I'll say that's three points. And then uh, May 7th. Well, there's, there's a lot of games in the spring this year, which I think is great because it gets really hot in the summertime in Houston, as you all know. Um, let's see, May 7th uh, at D.C. United. We know how the Dynamo play on the road. We'll say maybe a draw. Uh, home versus Nashville SC. I think Nashville's pretty good. Let's hope for a draw on that one. Home versus the Sounders. Sounders are definitely good on May 18th. We'll hope for a draw on that one. Uh, at the Galaxy on May 22nd. We'll say that's a loss. Uh, at Real Salt Lake on May 28th, we'll say that's a loss, hoping for a draw. At Orlando City on June 18th, let's hope that's a draw, and I'll give us one. Home versus uh, Chicago Fire on the 25th of June. Let's say they're not very good, but neither are the Dynamo, but let's just say three. And let's see, Portland Timbers 
at the Portland Timbers on June 29th. That's a loss. And then the Dynamo play at home versus a, a new club, uh, Charlotte FC, on July 3rd. Um, I think that could be three. All right, so let's see what we got here. Um, three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. 25 points. Wow. Okay, that's being, that's probably a little optimistic. Uh, but that's mostly just winning the home games uh, in the first half of the season. So, um, you know. Hey, if the Dynamo get 25 points, that would be at 25 points by uh, July 3rd. That would be, I think that would be pretty good. That would give them one, two, three, four, five, six wins, which would already be more than uh, than they had last year. So they're making moves. Uh, they've, they've signed a couple of guys. So they just signed a defender for that place for Brazil, like the Brazil national team that had won a gold medal yesterday. And they've also signed... Uh, a striker a couple of weeks ago named Ferreira, who's already scored twice in the preseason. Um, uh, Fafa Pico still looks pretty good based on what I've seen of the preseason. I'll see more tomorrow. And uh, Corey Baird. So the front line of Baird, Ferreira, and uh, Papa, Papa Fafa Pico is pretty good front, front three. And... Uh, they're trying to do some things to shore up that back end too, and hopefully they get some people in the midfield. So, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, you know, I don't think the Dynamo were as nearly as bad last year as, as their record was. They lost a lot of close games and um, didn't win a road game. So if they could just win one road game this year, maybe two, be strong at home like they were last year. They were very strong at home last year. Um, you know. Anything besides, you know, last place in the West would be <laughs> would be an improvement. So maybe they could sneak into the playoffs in the seventh, seventh or eighth. Well, eighth doesn't go to the playoffs, but maybe the seventh spot or anywhere of a finish between seven through ten. I would be really excited and feel like the club is moving in the right direction. Um, there was a hint about uh, the the kit for this year dropping on. It will be dropping on the sixteenth. So that is Wednesday. Um, it is the official Dynamo Twitter feed said that it was the community kit is back. I'm not, I'm still trying to verify which kit they call the community kit. I'm hoping it's the one that I actually have on right now as I'm recording the, uh, the sunrise fade on the front, kind of the, the slash, the, the slash over the middle of the chest with the orange, dark orange fading up to light orange on it. I'm hoping that they bring that one back. That was a very popular kit among the fans. And um, I think it would look really great with a new uh, crest and maybe a, a couple new details on it. Um, but we will see for sure on Wednesday. I'm very excited uh, to see the new kit. Uh, I think maybe even more excited than <laughs> for the kit than this season to get started. But, uh, you know, hey, Dynamo, win some games and, and make me excited about seeing the team on the field, please. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to our podcast this week. And here come our student segments. Welcome back to NFL Top News. 
Sign your host, Rustin Ocean. Today, we'll be talking about the Pro Bowl and many other things. Uh, watching it today, uh, I was not today, Sunday. I was looking at the clips. I was astounded by how uh, soft everyone was. Um, it was like football, it was good in touch. Uh, elementary school, pretty fun. I'll get you out of it. Anyway, besides the point, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I, that was like the one clip I saw from like a few other clips, but Patrick Mahomes, like, he was not performing during the pro ball, the level I would uh, expect from a pro baller. There was a lot of unexpected people. I don't know, actually Justin Herbert was there. I was looking at the clips. I might be tripping right now, but I'm pretty sure Justin Herbert was there. He did pretty good this season, but is he pro ball level? Yeah, some can say, oh, some can say, some maybe, but that's all for the pro ball. Now, next thing is, uh, there's this mattress guy. Um, whenever there's like an Astros game, Astro World Series, I know this guy likes to make huge bets, uh, saying like two million dollars if we win and like blah blah blah, like all that stuff. Anyway, this man bet like a couple million on the Bengals again. I got I got look more into it, but uh, while one of what Bodie Bromley is going, I'll be uh, looking into it. Uh, who, what the name of this man is, and what he does, and how he mattresses he sells and stuff. All right, uh, that is all for me. I'll be back in a bit. Uh, not a buddy. Uh, so I will be talking about how the uh, Super Bowl is going to be going this year and what my predictions are. So uh, it's it's very cool to see the uh, Bengals and the Rams being in the Super Bowl. And finally, it's not Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl anymore. I mean, about time. And he's retiring, too. I think that's also really cool that the air is like officially over with him and Ben, ben Rosenberger, Andrew Luck, and uh, Drew Brees. I think that that's uh, really cool how that all ended. And uh, uh, I still think that he had a couple more years left in him, and I still think he could have probably played uh, next year and maybe ended off on a Super Bowl win if he played another year. Um, the Bengals having Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow really uh, just being rookies and just leading the team is really cool too. Like that's what I really like about the Bengals. That's why they're one of my favorite teams in the league right now because they uh, just they're just rookies and they just like are owning the NFL right now. And if they win this Super Bowl, this would be a really big statement for the Bengals because the Bengals haven't been good in a long time and now that they're finally in the Super Bowl, I think I bet you the Cincinnati fans are also really happy about that and all that. But uh, I don't think winning that Super Bowl is going to be easy, especially with the Rams having a super team with uh, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, uh, Oda Beckham Jr., Matt Stanford, and like many more. Um, they really just assembled it over the summer or last season. They they picked up uh, Vaughn Miller and uh, Odo Beckham Jr. I think there's one more person I'm missing out, but I'm not sure on that. But uh, Odo Beckham Jr. left the Browns because of uh, just some miscommunications with the QB and it just didn't work out. So, and and then Vaughn Miller came over. I think his uh, contract ended as a free agency and then um, uh, he got picked up by the Rams. Um, my prediction uh, on the Super Bowl would definitely be that the Rams are going to win. Even though I want the Bengals to win, I think the Rams are going to win, no doubt, because they just have such a good team. And uh, if Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase don't have the best game of their life, I think it's going to be really hard for the Bengals to beat the Rams, especially with uh, a lot of the players having already experienced that Super Bowl, even though that the Bengals proved that they can uh, fight through those tough situations uh, going up against uh, Kansas at home. That's really cool. They beat uh, Patrick Mahomes and all that, but I think it'll also be really hard for them to just perform under that big of pressure, even though they've been a dynamic deal since college. I think it'll be a very interesting Super Bowl, and hopefully, the Bengals win. But 
I think the Rams will win. And now to Abraham. Uh, hello. Today I'll be talking about um, uh, quarterback Matt Ryan and wide receiver Calvin Ridley and their futures, like maybe uh, like maybe going to the Falcons. Um, uh, off seasons for the Falcons, like they don't really have anything to worry about except for like the long time uh, franchise of these two players. They're thinking about adding them to their roster, of course, like their uh, coach Arthur Black, but he's like still deciding of whether to drop off players or just uh, let them take their own places in the NFL. And uh, really uh, used to be on Falcons, but he stepped away. Like I think it was after week seven in the twenty uh, last year in twenty twenty one, and like he just like wanted to like it wasn't for any reason not liking the Falcons. He just wanted to take a little break from um, the team itself, and. Uh, like what lies ahead for them? Like I think, I think like really going back to Falcons would be like great because like it it could really step their game up, and uh, their coach uh, actually said that he'd like to have them uh, really back, but he realized like it might not be what really wants as, uh, as an individual player. Uh, really is under contract with the Falcons for one more season, and he's in like a great position to take a number one receiver vacated by I think his name was Julio Jones. And he just left, so uh, really would have been the number one spot, of course. But of course, taking his break last year, he uh, denied it. Uh, denied that. And coming like off his career in 2020, really had high hopes, like for 2021. But after his like, he didn't have really a mental breakdown, but like he just needed a little time off of his career, and he only played like five games that season, I think it was. And you know, the coach himself. Uh, he wants both quarterback and the wide receiver back on his team, but it just depends on a matter of what they want uh, him as a coach. Yeah, that's all. Okay, so back to me. Uh, the mattress guy was talking about mattress max. Basically, if you pet 4.5 million in the bank, right? Um, Texas is uh, gambling is illegal in Texas, so I had to drop to Louisiana to bet on the Bengals. And this man owns uh, three gallery furnitures in uh, Houston, Texas. And I just found it funny because I remember um, and just making bets on Astros and then he would always lose. But I saw on TikTok, like, some, there's, like, some strategy behind the betting. Anyway, something Bodhi wants to say. Um, yeah, so I also wanted to mention that I saw uh, on Instagram, I think, the uniforms that they would be wearing. And, um... I think the Bengals are wearing black uniforms and the Rams are wearing white uniforms. And there has been, uh, uh, like, uh, there's been like a couple years that the team with black uniforms have a loss. So I don't know if it's going to be coincidence that they lose this game, but I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if the uh, pattern will keep going or if the Bengals will break that streak. But that's about all I had to say, and we're starting to finish it out. Okay, thank you for tuning in to NFL Top News. That is all for us, and have a good day. which is played between two people, or the fencers. Both the fencers use swords to attack the opponent and to defend themselves. The main objective, objective of this game is to touch the other player and score enough points required to win the game before the opposite player scores enough points to win. In Olympic fencing, whoever gets 15 points first wins. Points are gained by touching the other fencer with their sword. 
Swordplay in general is an old sport. According to evidence from a temple in Luxor, shows that it has been practiced since around uh, 1190 BC. It was a common sport by the 1500s and occasionally ended in death for the loser. It was added to the Olympics in 1896 when it first started. Before we talk about world standings, there are many competitions for the sport and depending on different factors, you'll go into different competitions. Like what type of blade you use, like an epee, blade, a foil, or a saber. Your gender and your age also uh, are different factors that choose like what competition you'll go into. Um, we could talk about a lot of people who have won the Olympics because of how many categories there are, but I am just going to talk about like um, the two categories, female senior FA and uh, male senior FA. Um, so number one is Sun Yuen with 213 points for China, 29 years old, female. Number two, Leah Katrina. 185 points, Estonia, 27 years old, female. Number three, Papeska and Marina, Anna Maria, 164 points, Romania, 37 years old, female. Um, now, for male senior FA, number one, uh, Selagia Aaron, 200. 63 points, Hungary, 32 years old, male. Oh, Sen, 24, 240 points, South Korea, 25 years old, male. Uh, the Sandro, 192 points, Georgia, 28 years old. Um, now we're gonna just talk about like some fun facts. Uh, so fencing is one of the only four sports to be included in every modern Olympic Games uh, since they started in 1896 in Athens. Um, Baron Pere de Coubertin, the father of modern Olympics, of the modern Olympic Games, was a fencer. Um, today, fencing is practiced in around 43,000 clubs in over 140 countries by more than 1.5 million people. Half in Europe, 35% in America, 10% in Asia, and 5% in Africa. In 1948, Sir Ludwig Gutman organized the first Stoke Manville Games for disabled World War II veterans. Veterans. Fencing was included in 1954. By 1960, these games had developed into the Paralympic Games, which were held straight after the Olympic Games in Rome. Uh, and that is when it's kind of like when people fence normally, but they're in wheelchairs. So, um, yeah. Um, there are a lot of fencers who are like famous people, like um, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, 
Fences Boyle. Um, Tom Cruise, an actor, also Fences Boyle. Um, Winston Churchill's uh, Boyle, um, whoever that is. Uh, and there are a lot of other people, like William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare was a skilled stage fencing master. It's called fencing because the word, word fence was originally a shortening of the Middle English defense, which came from the Italian word defenso and an origin Latin word. The first known use of defense returns in an English reference swordsmanship is in William Shakespeare's Merry Wives of Windsor. Alas, sir, I cannot fence. Um, those are just some facts that I did today. Uh, yeah, so, bye, have a good day. Hello, this is Real Football, and we're your host, Andrea Moli, Borna Andrick, David Camerlo, and Preston Paget. Today we are going to be talking about Serie A games, predictions, and Copa Italia games. Predictions. Alright, so first up we had Serie A, and the first game we had up was Roma versus Genoa, which ended up 0-0. With two red cards, one for Roma and one for Genoa. Yes sir, you know it. Um, it was a Genoa did pretty well. Um, I would say to make it a keep it a tie. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we had um, Inter versus Milan, which I'll let um Andrea talk about this because. So Milan won two one. Not a surprising victory. We knew it was gonna happen, but I just want to go on the last podcast. And I just want to say that um, David and Preston said Milan was going to lose. So. I did, very much. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what happened, David? Uh, well, I just say um, Milan, Olivier Giroud, that's what. Um, but again, both teams both getting a red card. Again. Uh, the next game we have up is Fiorentina versus Lazio, and Lazio oh, won this game 3-0 with Fiorentina Lazio. getting a red card. Fiorentina versus Lazio. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not too surprised for this one. Uh, Fiorentina about Lovic is going to be uh, born you, you can talk about the next game. Oh, oh, oh Atalanta uh, versus Cagliari. Uh, Atalanta somehow lost 2-1. Um, Atalanta won. Atalanta did get a red card. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. Atalanta lost this game. I didn't personally watch they the game, game, but very disappointing. They lost this game. And they lost this game. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you for informing us. Yeah. Not, not fun. Anyways, uh, the next game we no, have. No, but uh, I think Atalanta could yeah. still make it fourth. No, I think yeah, they'll still do good. It's just disappointing to see. Yeah, uh, good to you. Then. I mean, such a good team playing against uh, an okay team. They they should have lost. Yeah. Yep. Also, um. um I mean, I think that the cause of this game was because uh, Atalanta, some, a lot of their players have COVID, so I think that's why they lost this game. Yeah. And they had this hard hit on their podium, not even podium, I mean fourth. 
Yep, next game we have. We up. have Sampdoria right. versus Sassuolo. Right, Borna. Which was 4 Sampdoria. Yeah, this is actually surprising. We all thought Sassuolo was going to win this game. Who's Sassuolo again? Uh, Sam Dory ended up winning 4 0, which is pretty surprising. Yeah. All right, uh, next game we Thank have you, Napoli versus Venezia. Napoli won 2 0 with Venezia getting a red card, and I'm not too surprised on this one. It was expected. Right. Um, all right, next game, hopefully we have Bologna versus Empoli, which did tie 0-0 as well. Um, yeah, there's not too much to say about this game. It's pretty even, I would say. Yeah. Um, next game up, we have Udinese versus Torino, which is actually surprising that Torino this didn't was, win. They have a disappointing too, yeah. I want Torino to win, but... Another really surprising thing about it was that both goals were in the... It were in the nine were ninety plus stoppage time, which was the ninety plus third and the ninety plus seventh. But earlier in the ninety plus second minute, Mandragora did get a red card for Torino. Yeah. Next up, I'll talk about this game. Juventus oh, beat Verona. It was a very yeah. foggy game. Dusan Vlaovic and Denis Zakaria both scored, which are both our debut signings, and it was their debut game. It, well. Well done to them. Uh, Dennis Zakaria did go off with an injury, though. Vlaovic could have had an, another three goals if See, he was on target. I just want to say something real quick, David. Yes. Um. So that's why I don't like Juventus. They they buy players mid-season, and uh, they think they can just buy anything and leave the. I mean, Fiorentina. They were good with Vlaovic, so I think Juventus is just a steel team. They just still steal whatever player is playing um, good on small clubs. Yes, that's how football works. Um, Not midseason. Whoa, he got him. Oh, I mean, my nan was the signing that you guys bought off of Lille, which now Lille's doing horrible this Our year. Our player, we got a player, um, Donnarumma. He got taken away to PSG. Right. We needed a goalie. Yeah, that's. You that, didn't need a striker. Yeah, we did. Marta is horrible, and Dubalas hasn't been consistent. All right, next game up, we have Sarnitana versus Spezia, which ended 2-2. Um, it, it was I mean, pretty good for both teams. I all, expected Spezia to come out on right, top. All but they didn't. four goals were in the first 30 minutes of the game, which was really surprising. Yeah, and both of uh, uh, Spezia's goals were penalties. Which is also interesting, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll go talking about predictions now. Yeah. So, first game up is Lazio versus Bologna. Okay. Yeah. Which I think Lazio. Lazio. Yeah. Bologna. I mean, they've been yeah, table. Lazio. Nothing too interesting this year from them, but. Lazio just. Next up, good game. Napoli versus Inter. Um, this is gonna be tough. I think Inter's gonna win. Yeah, I'm gonna. But go I, for I don't want Inter to win because they're first right now. Yeah. And I mean, if Milan wins the season, like cool. But I don't think we're aiming for that right now. I think we're aiming to just um. Actually, I I do think Milan's aiming because right now they're only one point behind Inter. Yeah. I know, but I think we could just like not chill out. But like, it would be cool to win the season. But our main focus is just to make the Champions League. Um, I'm not quite yeah. sure about that because. Which didn't Milan go so well and last time. Milan and Napoli, um, they're both tied in second place right now with 52 points, and Inter is just one ahead. 
at 53. I mean, we could push for the gas, but we could also, like... It's still, it's still a very big race. It's, it's still a race. Yeah. Like, no one's falling behind yet, We so. still have, like, a couple months to go. Right. And next up, we have Torino versus Anapia. I think Torino can win this one. Especially after losing. Yeah, Torino. Uh, Hopefully they'll have some yeah, new spirit. Uh, Venezia, very inconsistent team. Sometimes they do great. Sometimes they just, I don't know, play horribly. We'll see. It'll be an interesting game. I think yeah, they gonna play win. hardly. Okay, next up we have Milan versus Sampdoria. And uh, actually, not surprisingly, I think Sampdoria is going to win. Yeah, I think Sampdoria is going to win. Yeah, you think Sampdoria. Just Sampdoria. like Inter Milan. Who yeah. won that? Who won that, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Sampdoria right. won against us. Yeah. All right. So, next up, we have. Yeah, next time we have. Uh, next up, we have Verona versus Udinese. Verona. Uh, I mean, Udinese no, Udinese. Sorry, I, I thought it was Verona. versus Juventus. <laughs> I'm gonna go for Verona, but. <laughs> I'm going with Udinese. This can be an. It could be an interesting <laughs> game, yeah. All right. After that, we'll have uh, Genoa versus Salonitana. Uh, very. I mean, this is like bottom table teams. Uh, right. both. I think both are in relegation right now. I, I do think Genoa is gonna. Yeah, I think because yeah. The experience in Serie A. Yeah, there's. Yeah, experience. All right. Uh, next up after that we'll have Empoli versus uh, Cagliari. Uh, what do you uh, Cagliari, not okay. Cagliari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the fried octopus. It's not calamari. <laughs> calamari. <laughs> I think. I don't know. This is gonna be a tough game. Cagliari yeah. has uh, has the experience in Serie A, and. Empoli, but Empoli right now is doing a little bit better in Cagliari. So, I don't know. I could see this as a draw or either team winning. It could go anywhere. I'm assuming it's going to be a draw, yeah, or maybe like 1-0 win, perhaps. Right. Oh, yeah. Next up, we have Sassuolo versus Roma, which yeah, yeah. I think Roma's going to win. Yeah, Roma. is not having a strong season. Uh, I mean, yeah. Roma's getting some weird losses and ties, like the one against uh, Genoa. Was it? Was it Genoa? Beedle, beedle, beedle. Yeah, it was against Genoa. Uh, <laughs> um, they, okay, so next game up, we have Juventus versus Atalanta, which will be a good one. Oh, and this is, uh, is going to be the game for whoever gets fourth place. Whoever wins this gets fourth place. Yeah. Even if it's a draw, Juventus does get first place, uh, fourth place. And I think... As a Juventus fan, we're gonna win. Uh, is looking great. As an Atalanta yeah, fan, I think we're gonna I win. But hey, you know. Yep. All right. Oh my gosh, you're an Atalanta fan. And then next yeah. game up, the last game is uh, Spezia versus Fiorentina, yeah. which I do um, think Fiorentina. I think Fiorentina could win. Fiorentina, even I mean, without uh, Vlaovic, yeah. they're looking all right. Y'all wanna go to transfers? There's uh, no. No, nah, there's, there's nothing. Transfer. There's nothing. Yeah, transfer season ended. All right. <laughs> the window's over, week. yeah. No, don't worry. Juventus is going to buy some more players. <laughs> okay, Milan. <laughs> okay, and then we're now going to talk about the Coppa Italia, uh, um, which the, there's only four games. Inter, Inter uh, beat Roma 2-0. Nothing too surprising. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm sad now because Atalanta lost 2-3 to Fiorentina, even though they were up 2-1. Um, uh, Fiorentina for the win. And then Sadly. Milan did beat Lazio 4-0. And then later today, Juventus... Wait, how much? 4-0. 4-0. Milan oh, beat Lazio 4-0. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Juventus plays Sassuolo later today, <laughs> and I think Juventus is going to win. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. And uh, oh, that's going to wrap it up for today's uh, um, uh, session. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening bye in, bye. and we will see you next week. Hello. Welcome to the European Soccer Report. Today's episode is brought to you by Federico Moraldi and Mitchell Chan. So, first, uh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can start. Oh, yeah. So, first, um, so the AFCON finished and the winner was Senegal uh, because of penalties. They went into, uh, into overtime at 0 0. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just Egypt lost, but yeah. Uh, you hear, make sure we hear a little background noise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it, it's good. Now. It's good now. Try not to, try not to move the the headphone thing because it's putting a lot of noise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um. So yeah. So Senegal won the Afcon. Good game. Good final. Good job, Senegal. It was really deserved, and they were one of the favorites already. Um. So you want to start with Syriana? Yeah. Okay, so a lot of movement here. Uh, Juventus finally taking over that fourth place spot from Atalanta, but uh, Atalanta does have one game less, and if they win, they go on top by one point. So it's really tight and actually really important game this weekend. There's Juventus against Atalanta, or uh, so basically determining the fourth or fifth place spot. Right yeah. now, we're getting really tied up in the top three. Inter up by one point. But then again, they do only they do have another game to play. So yeah, they have a game less. They could go up by four. And the uh, Derby della Madonnina, Milan Inter, Milan won it. There were two red cards in that game. One to each team, and Milan won the Derby. They were down one zero after a Perisic goal in the 38th minute. Oliver Giroud turned it over in two minutes. I mean, I'm happy for them. It was deserved. Uh, this has been a great season for them, and they haven't. They're not first place or anything. So, I think that Milan win really opened up the title race. Yeah, yeah. Very good game. Also, very close up in the. So, so. Oh wow. Okay. So, wait. No, never mind. Okay. But we have a Napoli Inter game, and technically, if. Napoli wins. I'm pretty sure they would be going. Yeah, they go first place. Yeah. They do. But, but then uh, Inter would still be behind. Them. Yeah. So. so so they can still catch up. Juventus. Uh, Juventus had um. They bought Vlahovic and Zakaria. This weekend, both made their debut. Both scored. So, uh, I don't think there's a better way to start off. Juventus won two zero. Both the goals were the debuters' goals. So. That's good. Yeah. And then uh, a pretty big shocker. Atalanta lost to Cagliari. So that's pretty big. And Lazio 3-0 Fiorentina. I think Fiorentina losing Vlahovic was a really big loss. I don't think they're going to come back. And Roma tied to Genoa. Both teams had red cards. Lots of red cards in this match day. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, in match day 24, I see a whole bunch of red cards, like, everywhere. So, is anything else you want to talk about in Syria? Um, I don't think so. Coppa Italia is going on right now, but um, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So, in Coppa Coppa Italia, right now, so there's actually a game happening right now, very close between Atalanta and Fiorentina. Um, 
it's oh. only 86 minutes right now and yeah yeah and um uh it's it's the quarter final and so once some finals are decided it's going to be inter against milan so another derby della madonnina it's gonna three three of those derbies in about a month it's gonna be really tough for the players and uh, the other quarterfinal is Juventus Asuolo, and the winner of that will play the winner of a currently 2-2 Atalanta Fiorentino. Yeah, this is a really close game, 2-2 right now. Yeah, and Atalanta is in a terrible form lately. They lost to Cagliari. They sold Gozin. It looks like Zapata will be out for the rest of the season, so definitely not the best time. And also, a bunch of their players have COVID, so not... Yeah. So good for them. If if they had if they're like in a ice not yeah normal form, it would be uh, it, they'd probably win this easily. But yeah, yeah. I th- I think they still I I think they can still pull this off. Yeah, no, it's two two. So it's still anyone game anyone's game. Yeah. So yeah, but um. Yeah. In general, if they win this weekend against Juventus. Uh, it's gonna be a big problem for them, but yeah. we'll see. So yeah, and um, next thing you wanna move on to Premier League? Sounds good. Here, Man City first by twelve points over Liverpool, even though Liverpool are two games behind. Such a huge advantage, though. Yeah, Man City. I hate to say it, but it feels like it's already over. Twelve points is a massive gap. Like you can't really close that. Yeah, it's so. In this, in this league, everyone is really behind. Like, I mean, everyone has like so many different. Like, some people have only played twenty games, but others have already played twenty-four. Well, also, Man City being at the top of the table, they have played twenty-four games, but then again, they are also twelve points ahead. And even if Liverpool uh, won their next two games, they probably the score they would still be down by a whole lot. Yeah, um, six, six points. Doesn't sound that much when you say it's like, oh, they win two games to catch up. But when you're at the top of the table, everyone wins their games. How are you going to make a team lose six points? So, I mean, it's just the yeah. Premier League. It's not that even anymore. Preseason, they said maybe Chelsea and Liverpool had a shot. Looking at it now, I don't think there's any, I don't yeah. think there's any hope for either team. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, really well, I kind of want to look at the bottom. I mean, below the top three of the table. Um. So right now, I think Arsenal kind of have it has a chance if they win their next three games, because since they they are three games behind, two um two, two games behind Man U, I bet they have a chance. They'd have a chance to come up to even fourth. Um. And same for Tottenham. I don't know. Um, and yeah, but that, I just wanted to say something about that. Yeah, we'll see who ends up in the Champions League out of the. They're, they're all pretty good teams. They could. They're all Champions League worthy for sure. I honestly think that the first three spots are kind of locked in, or at least the first two, honestly. Yeah, the Chelsea too. I mean, there's no way they won the Champions League last year. Some people do say it was out of luck, but there too, seven point difference. I mean, there's not even a competition. I mean, we can, I think we can safely say that this table was already decided before the winter break. Because if you remember, our 
episodes in winter break, the Man City was already pulling ahead too much. Yeah, I think I think um, that the real competition will be for that fourth spot into the Champions League. Yeah, uh, definitely. Same with no, Serie A is more open though. Like, yes, between Milan, Juventus, Atalanta, there's a pretty big deficit. But if Atalanta win their game behind. They go six points behind Milan, but at least there's first, second, third, or within one point. Yeah, I think we're seeing the same yeah. thing as the Premier League. I mean, because six point is kind of hard to... It's yeah, yeah, no, that's true. But the first three teams are within one point. So at least there we can see some, some uh, like, some competition for the title. But oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's, there, there's going to be there's gonna be a lot of competition between those first three spots, but all of them are going to make it into the Champions League, probably. Yeah, that's very probable. At least that's going to be a fun league to watch because unlike mm-hmm. Premier League, you don't know who's going to win yet. Inter have a very big possibility, but it's not like 99%. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you want to go to La Liga? Sure. La Liga, Real Madrid first. Here, six points. Already a bit less than the other leagues, but Barcelona making on top of Atletico and uh, back in Champions League places. So yeah, I that, think that, we've seen them coming back. Yeah, Barcelona came all the way back up. I'm pretty sure at the beginning, well, near the beginning, like in match day, like 13 or something, they were like seventh or 11. Oh, even lower. They were. They, they, yeah, they started off really badly. And remember, yeah. like Arsenal and Juventus, we said it was a team that was declining and probably wasn't. Arsenal, Juventus, Barcelona, like we yeah. said, all three of them weren't going to do well, and now they're all, now they're all doing. They're all actually really close to Champions League spots. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Seeing teams come back like that, Juventus, pretty amazing. Yeah, honestly, and I think we're probably this in this one. I honestly, we might see another uh, Real Madrid win. Yeah, that's very probable. Uh, Real Madrid, our first six points. Sevilla second. Yeah, after after Barcelona kind of fell from I don't know I guess glory. Uh, Real Madrid has been kind of dominating the table even even though they lost last year to Atletico. Yeah, that's true. And also I want to point out. Uh, Barcelona beat Atletico four two this Sunday, which is why they're fourth right now. So yeah. good for them. Yeah. Very not good for them. So, you want to move on to Bundesliga? Uh, sure. Bundesliga. Here to Bayern up by nine points. You just see oh, the same team so... winning over and over. Oh yeah, again. Bayern has hasn't lost a single time since like two thousand something. They haven't lost a single Bundesliga since like. A decade or something. It'd be nice to see an actual change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dortmund lost five two this weekend against Leverkusen. There's no competition anymore. It's honestly over. I remember prior to the first Bayern Dortmund game, we were saying, "Oh, there's some hope," but it's over already. Yeah, nine points behind. No one actually even lagging behind in their games. That's like you said. Pretty much already over. And the thing is, I don't think we're going to see any competition as long as Bayern keeps winning like this because they keep getting money. And um, 
They buy better players, and the cycle just keeps going on and on. They don't lose. Yeah, and they keep buying the good players. Yeah. So there's no... There's literally no competition. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunate. So there's never going to be a change in there, probably. So, yeah. yeah. Also, I want to say, um, Fiorentina just scored a 95th minute goal against Atalanta. So they probably won oh. that. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we could still see Atalanta tied up, but I... Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not, not good for them. They just have to hope the goal gets ruled off for offsides or something. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, they still haven't uh, given the goal like a hundred percent, but sadly, Atalanta not in a in a good state right now. They played a decent game, but they haven't been. It, it's a pretty unlucky time. They just lost their best striker for the whole season. So, yeah. But, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about, or? Uh, I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. So, yeah, uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Please come back next week, and uh, we'll see you all soon. Yep. Hello, my name is Adam Gospin, joined by my colleagues Isa and Maya. Today, we will be talking about the trade deadline, which is today, and the next decision on James Harden. Let's start on the trades that have been happening right before the deadline. So the NBA trade deadline is finally here, and teams and players await the um, uh, the trade deadline is a, is official at 3 p.m. Eastern time uh, to cut off the players to new teams for the 2021-2022 regular season. Um, on Tuesday morning, uh, last Tuesday. Um, the Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum era had ended as as McCollum was heading to the New Orleans Pelicans to pair with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Uh, and then uh, the Tuesday afternoon, Sacramento Kings acquired 25-year-old All-Star DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday from the Indiana Pacers in exchange for promising second-year guard Tyrese uh, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Uh, what do you guys think about these trades? Um, I think it's pretty good. Um... Uh, I thought they were good trades for both teams, but uh, I mean, um, I think with the the Portland trade, uh, I think the Trailblazers are now. Um, not going to do well because uh, Damian Lillard is still out from a very big injury. He uh, underwent surgery and had to wait like six weeks after that. Yeah, the Trailblazers, their plan, I think, is to build around Damian Lillard, but just do it again and better this time. Like, they're blowing up their team except for Lillard. And they're like surrounding Lillard with better young players. Like, yeah. Uh, um. On Sunday, the Cleveland Cavaliers made a deal with the Pacers for Karis LeVert. While on Friday, the LA Clippers traded Eric uh, Eric Bledsoe, Justine 
and Slow and Keon Johnson for a future second round pick to the Portland Trailblazers for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. I think this is a pretty uh, big trade because uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington, those are two uh, pretty decent players. Um, yeah, but, but uh, Aaron the trade. Also a good three point shooter. The trade I like here is the Cleveland Cavaliers trade. I mean, they were already a really good team. I mean, without any really good uh, people, they could just pass the ball to and let them do their thing and they'd score. But they got Karis LeVert, who's actually been doing really good this season. He's been averaging almost 19 points on really good efficiency. And he's been really creating his own shot, so the Cavs don't have to rely on the pick and roll as much as they do now. And they got him for almost nothing, like a couple second-round picks and some of the players at the end of their bench. Um, yeah, on February 10th, the Milwaukee Bucks received Serge Ibaka, uh, two future second-round picks and money, uh, while the Sacramento Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. Um, I mean... Uh, I think uh, Serge Ibaka is is going to be a great addition to the Milwaukee Bucks team. Uh, Serge Ibaka, I mean, he's good, but he was, he was not as good as he once was when he was on the Thunder and the Raptors. He's still yeah. a good stretch four or five sometimes that can play defense. But, but since uh, Giannis is kind of just really carrying the team, I think he's a good member to us. I mean, yeah, they just that's all they need, more 3 and D players. And if he helps spread the four a little bit, that's always good. Yeah, yeah um, another interesting trade. On January 19th, the Boston Celtics received P.J. Josher Bobol, who is, I think, the second tallest player um, uh, ever to play in the NBA. Uh, I don't think the, ever, but the second tallest player now. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Denver Nuggets received Bryn Forbes, and the San, uh, San Antonio Spurs get uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I think that's what it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the most interesting person in this trade is probably Bol Bol, but that's just because his potential is very high he has enormous upside and i mean i don't think he can cause too much harm to the team the celtics are already aren't very good but they have a lot of good younger players like tatum and Jalen brown and grant williams even and bobo is just adding to that um yeah i also forgot to add into that trade the San Antonio Spurs also got a 2028 second round pick from the Denver Nuggets. Um, let's see. I don't think there were. Uh... Wait, this says right here that the Brooklyn Nets are trading James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond and two first-round picks. Um, that's a probable trade, I think. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, this trade leads, uh, leads us to our next topic, which is talking about uh, Steve Nash's interview um, in 
uh, in one of the post-game uh, conferences. Uh, the big news was that Steve Nash said that uh, James Harden will be staying in Brooklyn. He says he's talked to James and he wants to be in Brooklyn. He wants to be there for the long term. Um, and I mean, he just, uh, he really likes the city. Uh, even though he's had some injuries, uh, there's, there's still a possible deal of sending him to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, uh, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, which honestly, that might actually help the 76ers and help the Nets at the same time. Yeah, what do you think? I think uh, uh, do you guys think that trade should happen or no? Um, actually, I think it should. Uh, I mean, it's got a lot of upside for both teams. But uh, the risk is also pretty good if they do trade for Harden. Um. Yeah, we uh, I think let's take a quick look at the 2021-2022 um league standings. So, in first place, we got the Phoenix Suns. They are 44 and 10. That is just uh, that's just an outstanding record. To lose 10 games only and win 44, that's a lot. Second, the Golden State Warriors. 41 and 14, still a great amount of wins. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies are uh, coming in hot. Uh, they've been doing very well in their last games. Um, they're 38 and 18. Uh, Miami Heat, 35 and 20. And the top five, the Milwaukee Bucks at fifth, at 35th and 21. I'm surprised uh, how the Los Angeles Lakers are so far down on the list. Like, uh, I thought at the beginning of the season that um, that they were going to be a great team with Westbrook, LeBron, Davis, but I don't really know what happened. Like, they seem to just been breaking down. I mean, I didn't expect them to be this far down, but I also didn't expect them, like, I didn't expect Westbrook to work out. Like, I mean, he's not the best fit by LeBron and Anthony Davis. He's a very ball dominant player, and he's really at his best when he's the, the like the guy on the team, the one star, the main guy. Um. And yeah. he's third option here, so he hasn't really been adjusting to that very well. Yeah, the Lakers' odds of making the playoffs are at a low twenty three percent, with a record with a projected record of thirty seven and forty five. I mean. I don't know. Uh, I think I think if the Lakers don't make it to the playoffs, uh, you, you think LeBron will retire, or you think he has another one or two more years? Um, I think he has another one or two more years because it seems like he's still happy with basketball. And, I think uh, LeBron's going to be in the league for a while. Saying the Lakers will miss the twenty two uh the twenty twenty two playoffs. Well, I mean, he is like the best one. So. Yeah. The 2022 playoffs, is that this year? Is that this year? Is 2022 playoffs this year? Wait, who's in the 2022 playoffs? I mean, it's 2022 playoffs. So, it's this year? So, it is this year. 
whatever. Um, uh, I think the Lakers, they might squeak in that like eighth spot or maybe seventh spot if they get lucky. But they've also had a bit of injuries to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And yeah. Westbrook hasn't exactly carried while they were out. So. Yeah. I think LeBron being gone really just like. Yeah. Um, and then just for fun, uh, in last place in the standings, we have the Detroit Pistons, who are 12 and 42, which is just might as well give up. The Pistons, I think they've already have given up. I think they're take, tanking. Like, they traded for Marvin Bagley, who's been already declared as a bust after he was picked second overall in the 2007-2019 NBA draft. Uh, he hasn't exactly panned out very well for the Kings, the team that drafted him. But I guess yeah. the Pistons are taking a chance on him. Yeah, the last time the Pistons made... Uh, to the playoffs was the 2015-2016 playoffs where they were swept in the opening round. Uh, didn't they also make it into the 2019 playoffs where they were also swept by the Bucks Or 2020 playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, that's what this says, but... Yeah, because I think I remember... Giannis dunking on the Pistons star player at the time, Andre Drummond. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything to add on? No, I don't think so. Um, Alright, I think that's it for uh, today's segment. I'm Adam Gospin. Hi, my name's Adams. I'm Issa Kadri. And thank you for listening to our segment. Hi, I'm New York Rita, and welcome back to Global Soccer. We have some exciting news for you today. With with some Barcelona and some Premier League. Anyways, Muhammad, will you take us off from here with Man City versus Southampton? Yes. So Man City versus the Benford. It was a it was a Premier League. That happened yesterday. Match week was 24. So Man City won 2 to 0 with with uh you see with Manchester's Kevin D. Brewery golding during the match. Benford person received the ball from the goal as Manchester City celebrates their scoring from second goal. Kevin D that scores, he is a midfielder who shots and stirring is alert to latch into the loose path. He takes an early shot when the keeper gets down, quickly pushes it away. He pairs it straight into the derby through and he makes no mistake as he shots it into the empty net. Two to zero. That was that was for Man City. The Bruno retired from the half. City are trying to double their advantage just before the break, Sterling wiggles away from Ashman. Down the carring in the left, Rhea rushes from the middle court to the right angle as Jerson gets back to block the pool and Fordham just in time. There was about one one second or something left before it could have been gold, but the goalie was fast enough. 
The last goal was a penalty goal that happened by Reddy Merninis, striker 26. He steps coldly into the spot and curls into the left top corner. Rhea divides the wrong way. The goalkeeper thought he was going left, but he actually went right. Thank you, Mohammed. Michael, could you do this from here with your information with Tottenham? Um, from yesterday, um, with the game of the 2 to 3, um, having equalized in the 79th minute of Southampton's win over Tottenham was the latest day they have been in behind in the Premier League, much which they would go to win since March 2016 against Liverpool, equalizing the third. Eight Tottenham suffered their first Premier League home defeat under Antonio Conte in their sixth match of at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium under the Italian. Indeed, this was Conte's first home league defeat in the 23 matches across his time in Internazionale and Spurs since a 1-2 defeat with Inter to Milan in October 2020. Tottenham have benefited from three opposition on goals in a Premier League this season more than the other side. It's simply incredible end-to-end match comes pretty close here. And it's South Southampton who would hold on for the win and you can the grudge different under three points. Spurs look like they had one that had done it and when Sun needed to make two to one. And it seemed the away side may have to do their missed chances. Two crosses from Ward Crouch and same patch of grass on the right. We was the difference the the Ilarionos and uh, Adams headed home to turn their fortunes around in the blink of an eye. Bergwin then thought he snatched a point at a death, but VAR intervened a Southampton online. Thank you, Michael. Now we go now we go to La Liga for the Barsha's 4-2-1, 4-2-1 game against Atletico which is a very big defeat for Atletico Madrid. Anyways, let's get into it. Yannick Carrasco opened up the scoring in the eighth minute, eighth minute of the match, scoring, he opened up the scoring, and he opened up the scoring in the eighth minute, followed by Jordi Alba's beautiful volley in the top, in the top, in the top right corner, responding, to Picasso's goal in the 10th minute. It's the next goal was, was scored by Gavi in the 20, 21st minute, 21st minute, across by, across by one of Barcelona's new players that they've gotten from the, from the summer transfer window. None other than They're, they're number 11. Adam Troy. Because I'm pretty sure this was also his debut match, which is a very big thing. And then 
in the 43rd minute, Adam Ronald Araujo scores scores in the first, in the 43rd minute, being assisted by a bicycle kick by Ferran Torres, which is looking pretty nice for him. I mean, he's doing what he's doing what he needs to do. Right? Then in the 49th minute, a beautiful rebound. Barcelona is attacking. A rebound off the ball. There's a rebound in, in, the, in the top of the 18-yard box. Dani Alves is, is coming in unmarked with Joe Felix right behind him. One touch, bam, in the left in the left corner of the goal. Beautiful, Ablas had no chance, no chance to save it. Then, then we, a little bit after that, Luis Suarez scores, scores against his old club in the, in the 58th minute. But could but but can he tie it? Maybe they have some hope. Dani Alves gets a red card. Gets a red card in the 69th minute for a foul against just a foul, beating someone in the back of the in the back of the calf. The final score of this match was 4-2 Barcelona. Barcelona is right now is in fourth place, while. Atletico Madrid is in fifth. Real Madrid leads, leads in first place with 53 points. Dusting down, dusting Sevilla by, by a five-point lead. Now, we, we go to after the Super Bowl, the Champions League. It's here. It's about to be here after next week. I'm excited. To see this, the matches are on February 15th. Remember that date. PSG versus Real Madrid. I think I am thinking PSG is going to win that game. It's going to be very close, but I think I am. It could also be Real Madrid. I am hoping Real Madrid loses this, but at the same time, uh, this, is, this is my prediction. I hope that PSG wins. I think that uh, PSG will have to keep. Uh, Sergio Ramos out of this game just because of just because of the bond. Uh, then we also have Sporting versus Man City, obvious one for Man City. Then the day after that we have Slassenburg versus Byron, Byron again. Inter, Inter versus Liverpool. That looks like a pretty good game. I want to. I can watch. I can watch that. Then on February twenty second, we have Chelsea versus. Classic and Villarreal versus Juventus. And that closes it up. And then after that, on February 3rd, on February 23rd, we have Atletico Madrid versus Manu, which, which is looking good. And after that, we have February, also on February 21st, Benfica versus Ajax. And all these games are at 2 p.m. So you better, so you better, so you better be careful and choose the right one you want to watch. Anyways, I am Leora Futa, and this is Google Soccer. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Inside the Diamond Baseball. Welcome back, and um, just not much we have to talk about today. Uh, really, just the lockout, um, and let's get right into it. It's um, according to the Wall Street Journal... Uh, 
the the lockout is quote unquote nowhere in sight. Uh, yeah, Rob Rob Sanford is just uh, he's too stubborn to strike a deal with the MLBPA. Um, they're they're trying, they're having meetings, but um, it's not going well from from what we got out of it, and um, and yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like the season's gonna be delayed, and um. It doesn't look good from here. Anything y'all have to say? Yeah. You can go. Oh, it looks like the season is going to be delayed. Uh, definitely. Uh, spring trainings looks like it's it's already delayed. Definitely. It, it looks like uh, it's going to be a whole mess up this year. Chaos. It's just... It's not gonna seem right, and it's not gonna be good this year. Yeah. Um. Uh. Rob Manfred said said, quote unquote, I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for this industry. Yet he's the one who's causing the problem, and he and if he's too stubborn. Or too stupid to realize that that is the problem, that he is the problem, and that nobody else is for him, then he might be able to strike a deal. But until he realizes that, then I don't think that anything will even come close to to striking a deal with the MLBPA because he's he's saying that that there's this problem, and he thinks that that everyone else is the problem, which is like horrible and, and very like selfish not selfish but stubborn of him to think something like that and he's just delaying the season and he's thinking that it's he's like yeah it's gonna be bad but he doesn't know that he's causing it uh, I think it's just going to be another kind of hectic season, similar to what we had in 2020 with COVID. It's just going to be a mess, and it'll be uh, just kind of another challenge for the MLB see how they'll handle it. Yeah, um, it says here that uh, spring training is supposed to open across Florida and Arizona in less than a week, but Rob Manfred has not announced a delay yet. He has not said that the season has been delayed which is, which is, it probably will be announced soon, um, but it has not been announced yet. And um, there, the MLBPA is meeting with the leagues um, on Saturday to uh, again try to strike a deal. And um, yeah, this is this is hopefully hopefully that gets struck. But I don't believe it will. I think that. My man will will stay here um, self self until he realizes that he has single handedly delayed the season. And um, yeah, I think I think until disaster strikes, I think Rob Manfred will stay the way he is. It says here um, that Rob Manfred believes that by delaying the season. He will um, create it, quote unquote, inspire more urgency in bargaining a deal. So, um, 
Yeah, I I hope I hope that the MLBPA stays as stubborn as it is because because that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're that's what we want. We want the players to get what they want. Um, we don't want the league to have complete control over the whole league. So it says it says that he thinks it'll create more urgency uh, to to sign a deal once the season begins to get delayed, which is. I think I think that's kind of controlling. I think that's very controlling, actually, for him to be that's that's horrible for him to delay the season so he can get what he wants. That's horrible. I think that's I think that's I think that's bad. That's like like what do y'all think about that? That's bad. nothing all right i think that'll wrap it up for today uh thank you for listening uh once again these are your hosts i am reed flowers i'm Bennett abaza i'm Bennett abaza and And we have jackson mcphail with us today and thank you for listening to them Hello and welcome to this episode of MLB on the Line. I'm Jack Botros, joined by co-host Harris Mann, Rafael Arroyo, and Sean Allen. Today we will be discussing the ongoing MLB lockout and the various trades surrounding the MLB. Harris, would you like to start us off on the update for the MLB lockout? How's it going um, with wait, that? can I also add on Bobby Witt Jr. on how he just received the MLB Minor League Player of the Year and how he has very good potential? So, uh, besides that, um, I think the MLB lockout, it's been discussed a lot. I think it's still going on. The same thing is, it's the same deal. Nothing's really changed. So, I don't think there's really anything to talk about. There's been no updates. They've just been still sticking to the same thing of spring training may not be starting. Yeah. Um, Do you guys have any ideas on, um, like, what the trades have been looking like since we've since we're not sure what's going to go on, haven't y'all real? Haven't y'all like seen that the teams have been a little timid and going for a player? If because uh, for the players that want the short deals, if you have someone like that, you're not going to end up um, you're not going to end up using them if you're going to have a shortened season like that. So most of them are being timid around some of those older guys. What do you guys think of that? Maybe don't be scared. Thanks, Sean. What about you, Harris? Yeah, I, I think MLB shouldn't be afraid to make a decision because they have they made some big. They're decisions. literally the MLB. Shouldn't be afraid to make a decision. I mean, it could be. Well, that depends on what it is. Yeah, um, uh, Rafael, do you have anything to add? All right, uh, let's go on to the various, uh, um, the various MLB uh, minor league prospects and players that have very high potential in their actions. So first, I gotta give it to Bobby Wood Jr. because he is very good and he has very potential. We see him; he has he has probably one of the most bat speed, biggest, like highest bat speeds 
in the MILB because even though he's so like he's not like small, but like he's not the type of guy to have so much power. And for him to have that much speed, good infield, and all that, I think he's definitely should be, is going to get called up this year in the MLB. And I think the Houston Royals, I mean not the Royals, the Royals will benefit a lot from that because they have not really good much players, not really good players. And for him to bring up, for them to bring up that, who, for them to bring up Bobby Wood Jr., he can play at the level of the MLB and he performs. So I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to get called up this year. I agree with that because he does have a lot of bat speed, like you said earlier. And teams are just looking for new players because I feel like since the since that World Series, teams have been looking for younger talent now because most of the, most of the really big stars now are slowly getting older, and eventually you're gonna have to get some more young guys in, in your team. So if they want to rebuild, they need to do it now, which is why Bobby Witt would be the perfect prospect, especially since they have a pretty high round draft pick. Thoughts? Sean or Raphael, do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think he'll be a good addition to the team, and you know, the Royals just really need that help right now. Like, honestly. They step up their game this season, and they want to make it. Yeah, so yeah, that's all we really have for this, uh, this uh, podcast. We can't finish now. Well, wait, but uh, Harris, since the Super Bowls this weekend, I think we could all go around, and I know we're not a football group, but make our predictions. Yeah. Bengals, Bengals, Dicey Joe Burr. Bengals are the only way Yeah, you can start. Go start. All right. Um, I'm picking the Bengals because they're the undercats, as uh, Alexa says. Um, also, I feel like Joe Burrow has, is just going to pop off that game, and I feel like I feel like they're just going to come out on top, especially since what they what they did to the Chiefs that time. So, Harris, what are you? What about you? Yes, I think I think the uh, the Bengals will win, but I think it's going to be really hard for the Bengals to line. Because uh, the Rams have pretty good defense, and I think uh, there will be a few sacks that game. It's going to really come to uh, like interceptions and those the small the small details that really change the game in Super Bowls often. Because a lot of Super Bowls they're not really high scoring games; they're always like really really like high level playing games. So I think that it's the Bengals are going to come on top of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. Obviously, the Rams are gonna win the Super The Bengals are obviously winning. There's no even point of saying that the Rams will win. No one likes the Rams. Everyone likes the Bengals, and the Bengals are winning because we have Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, bro. I think the Bengals are gonna win. Hopefully, they do. Mattress Matt also put a four million dollar bet. Okay. Um. What about uh? What about you, Raphael? Honestly, I'm mostly on the Bengals side. Well, because basically the exact same reason Sean did. You know, um, like. But the thing is, I do think it's gonna be uh, the Rams are a good matchup. It's it's definitely not gonna be one sided. It's like it's gonna be a good game. Like it's gonna be really fun. I agree watch. with that. Yeah, I know. You know, Have you seen the, the halftime show? 
And the halftime show is going to be crazy as well. Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Can you guys believe who's doing the halftime show, though? It's fire, dude. It's fire. I tell yeah. you, those, those, those are all goats. We all knew it's going to be something good because it's going to be yeah. in LA, but still. I mean, no one expected that lineup. Yeah. I think that's it, guys. Do you guys have any more thoughts? Uh, no. Nope. Okay, thanks for watching MLB on the line. Keep watching baseball. And um, watch the Super Bowl, I guess. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. Later. Hello and welcome to the third episode of NFL 2022 brought to you by Blake Wilson, Reeve Jenkins, Ethan Hill, Isaac Allison. Um, not much has happened this past week besides the Pro Bowl, so we're kind of just going to recap what we had stated last week, uh, including our Super Bowl predictions and what we thought about the Pro Bowl. So Reeve, you can start us with the Super Bowl predictions. In my Super Bowl prediction, I, I think that the Rams are going to win because that. <laughs> uh, Reeve is having technical difficulties, so I will start us off. Um, so I have the Rams winning. I've had Rams winning since day one for many reasons. I think they have a better offense, and I think they have a better defense. I think that they just, they're better all together. I think the pickups they've gotten throughout the season has just been really significant for them. So, yeah, uh, we're going to try Reeve again. Reeve, it's up to you now. I think that the Rams are going to win because, because, <laughs> Okay, I'll just go. I think the Rams are going to win because I think Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup will really show up this game. And also the Rams' defense can probably pull through and uh, stop Joe Burrow from going anywhere. So that's why I think the Rams are going to win. How about you, Isaac? Yeah, totally. I just think the Rams are going to win. I hope they do better than they did in the normal season against the Bengals. Really, I can't say that. Uh, also, also the, Ram the Bengals beat the Chiefs, so yeah, I want the Bengals to lose. All right, so Reed, you want the Rams to win? Yeah, the Rams to win. Okay, sweet. Okay, so about the Pro Bowl. So Pro Bowl was kind of crazy. It was actually a pretty good Pro Bowl game. Um, the top, it was very close score. It's like backyard football. What do you have? What are your opinions on the Pro Bowl, Reed? Sorry, guys, we're having some technical difficulties. Um, I think the um, I think that Pro Bowl was a great game in general, and I'm really glad that the AFC won over the NFC, but because the AFC has always just had better players and has been a more dominant conference. Blake, your opinions on that? Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, like I said last week, segment, I do. I just think that the AFC have just been more dominant <laughs> than the NFC throughout the years, and I think that it's going to be like that for a while. Uh, Reeve, uh, your thoughts?
I think that the Pro Bowl is a great game, and I think it's, it's going to lead up to a great Pro Bowl next year. Um, Isaac, your opinions? Yeah. No, you're not. AFC is overall better. That's they just are. my opinion. Yes, I think they're better. Nice. Cool. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess we can talk about what we're looking forward to next season, since this is our last game of the year. So, what are y'all looking forward to next season? Who, who for, based off of this year's standings, who do y'all think are gonna are going to be in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I have uh, the Chiefs versus the. I want to say. Chiefs versus the. I think the Rams will go back to back. Your turn, Rafe. I say, yeah, I say Chiefs and Rams. I want. I like the Chiefs Rams too. Outlook. I believe that the Chiefs, with Tom Brady being out and all, can really perform well, and actually maybe even win the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, that's going to be great to watch. And then another thing I'm really looking forward to is no Tom Brady, no Gronkowski. So we'll see how the Buccaneers fare this season. Isaac? I don't know. I think that the Cowboys... Really, I really just don't know. I think the Cowboys could be a safety option. Let's all agree. Let's all agree. Texans definitely are making it there. Agreed. 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 So um, I think that's all for NFL 2022. Have a good day. Bye. 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome back to NFL Best of the Week with me, your host Matthew, Fahad, Noah, and Cole. This week, we're going to be talking about um, the new head coaching hires this year and the NFL honors. So to start off, we're going to be talking about four of the coaches hired, and those are Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel, Matt Eberflus, and Dennis Allen. So first, to start out with Dable, he was previously the Bills offense co- offensive coordinator, and obviously the Bills offense was really good. And I really like what they did with Allen as far as um, his, his running. And he's going to be the new Giants head coach. And Daniel Jones is kind of – he's also kind of a runner. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Daniel Jones and maybe if they can um, put together a decent season with that below-average talent team. And um, with Mike McDaniel, he was the 49ers coordinator. And what I'm interested with in with him is that how is he going to use Jalen Waddle? Because you saw um, this year with Debo how he was involved in the run game. And it was very creative. And I think Jalen Waddle can kind of um, be similar to Debo, though he's not as good as um, at breaking tackles and stuff. But, yeah. And um, uh, Matt Everflus, the new Bears head coach, he was the, the defensive coordinator for the Colts. So he was a pretty um, safe defensive coordinator. The Colts' defense was pretty good, but they were never um, – like the worst or the best, they're always in the middle. He plays a lot of um, too high safety, cover two, cover four. So that's kind of his style of play. And and last is Nathaniel um, Hack or er, Dennis Allen, excuse me, who was the 
the coordinate defensive coordinator for the Saints, and now he got promoted to head coach with Sean Payton's um, leaving. So uh, the Saints defense has been good these last few few years, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Flathead. So a few more coaches that were hired was uh, so the Broncos they hired Nathaniel Hackett, who was the pa- uh, Packers' previous offensive coordinator. Now, personally, I think this is a great hire if you see how the um, how the Packers, how they did in this, this season offensively. They did great. And, you know, the rumors of Aaron Rodgers possibly going over to the Broncos, you know, that would be really helpful because this coordinator probably knows him. So I think this was a really smart hire. I like it. Uh, they have some gr- they, ha- they have a great talent team, but they've always been held back by coaching, I feel. Next, we go from a great hiring to an awful hiring. We have Lovey Smith for the Texans. He was their defensive coordinator and is now the new head coach. He was promoted to head coach. And I feel that this was a really, this wasn't a good decision uh, for the Texans because he, you know, it didn't really help anything, didn't bring anyone new for the coaching system. They just fired Cooley and they just hired the, uh, this guy and it really didn't help or benefit them. I think Ryan Clark would have been a better fit, but people are saying they didn't hire him because of the lawsuit. So we'll see about that next. uh, uh, Yeah, I think I'm going to pass it on to Cole. Yes. And the next head, the next um, new hire was Doug Peterson. He used to be the head coach of the Eagles and now he's the Jaguars head coach. I honestly think the Jaguars were long overdue for a new head coach. Their previous one wasn't exactly getting them anywhere. I mean, of course, they did get a lot of first-round dra- first draft picks where they got, like, Trevor Lawrence, but it's not good to be losing that much. Um, I think they might be able to start picking things up with this new hire, but we'll see. And the next one is Josh McDaniels, the previous offensive coordinator of the Patriots. He's now the Raiders head coach. I think he'll do very well considering he was working with a new quarterback, Mac Jones, and they actually did really good. And the Raiders, like, a, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, Noah, you want to give us a little bit of news? Yeah, so for, um, like, the newest news, I heard Alvin Kamara got Alvin Kamara assaulted somebody, and he's gonna he's gonna face jail time. So yeah. Okay, now we've covered the coaches and that Alvin Kamara news. We're gonna move on to our predictions for honors. So I think what we're gonna do is um not exactly who we think we're gonna win, but who we think should win, who deserves it. So first, I'm going to go with my picks. And I think for MVP, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. I just think he had a great season. I thought I thought his season was a little bit more impressive than Brady's. And I think if Brady wins, it's going to have something to do with his retirement. So um, in the next, uh, the next interesting one, obviously, offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. Defensive rookie of the year, Parsons. Those are two obvious ones. And then offensive player of the year, I think you got to give it to Cup over Taylor. It's not very often you get a guy who leads the league and catches um, yards, receiving yards, and touchdowns. So you got to give it to Cup there. The defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, who tied the sack record in 15 games. 
So I think he gets the the D Roy. And what about you? I mean, what do you think, Fahad? So personally, I'm just gonna go through this pretty quick, and I'm gonna disagree with you for MVP. I'm gonna say it's Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady deserves it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was not in the top five for passing yards, while Tom Brady was number one. Uh, so I think that he really does deserve this MVP. Really does. I don't care what others say. He deserves it. And so for uh, offensive rookie, defensive rookie, I agree. It's pretty obvious. Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons. If they don't win, something's wrong with the league. Offensive player of the year. I'm gonna have to stick with Cup over Jonathan Taylor, because Taylor did do good. But then, you know, he didn't lead them. They didn't go into the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't do anything. And then also, Cooper Cup just had a sensational year. One of the best. Can't forget it. And you have TJ Watt, who um, t- I guess you could say tied the record for sacks in the league. Should have been, should have beat it, but the NFL took back one of the sacks. So those are my picks. Uh, Cole, let's hear yours. Um, I definitely I agree with Fawhead on the Tom Brady pick for the MVP because he did lead in a lot of stats. Even though he did have 12 interceptions and Rodgers had four, um, Brady was, as you said, number one in yards and also has an overall um, history of being very good. Aaron, even though Aaron Rodgers also has that, I think Brady just deserves to win it. Um, for the offensive rookie of the year, probably Jamar Chase. Like you guys said, he had a stellar year, having some pretty good games and over a 1,000 yards. Um, for defensive rookie of the year, sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to go to that one. Offensive player of the year overall is probably going to be Cooper Cup. He had a, a stellar year for, sorry, he had a stellar year, almost 2,000 yards, which is really impressive. And defensive player of the year is definitely TJ Watt. He had, he just did amazing and looked really good. Um, Noah, can we hear your picks? Um, for the, the QB of the year, I think it, it has to go with Aaron Rodgers. He was just really, he was just really like just good for like all, all of the, all, all of his stats. Like only four interceptions of the season. Um. For the offensive rookie of the year, I'll go with Jamar Chase because I think he led his team to the Super Bowl because he's like the best wide receiver on the team. Um, for uh, for uh, defensive rookie of the year, I think I I think I have to go with Matthew's pick, and then yeah. Okay, and with that, I think we're going to end off our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I think we're going to be on the spotlight talking about the Super Bowl. Bye. Bye. All right, that's the episode for this week. We'll see you next time. Have fun watching the Super Bowl.